0: You're glad to be in the house of the Lord today. That's a good place to be. You know, I love to see what God's doing in everybody's lives and and so many stories. This has been a week of a lot of stories. Uh, And and anybody that knows me well knows I love to hear your stories. So, uh, and a lot of times people call and say, Pastor, can we grab coffee? You know, I'm always like, yes, because coffee is of God, first of all. And second, hearing your story is absolutely amazing you know and as we as we've been in this series talking about issues it's been so much fun uh, I do want to remind you that out in the lobby when you leave today you have the uh, opportunity to purchase uh, the I've got issues t-shirts that are out there and uh, it's perfect because on the front it says I've got issues and then as you walk away from them they're going yeah they sure do when you walk away it says so do you it's perfect and, uh, and actually, you know, we designed those to be a conversation starter, and they've done good. I told everybody last week, uh, I had ran to Kroger uh, before service last week, and I had my T-shirt on, and, and I walk in, and before I'd left, I'd had a conversation with two families who started asking me questions simply because of the shirt that I had on my back, and, and uh, it's great to have that, so I just want to encourage you, you can check that out out there, and uh, it's a great way to let people know that you love your church as well, and uh, I, I just love people, and can I be honest, you know, when we talk about I've got issues, I, I, I do, how many people got issues like I do, everybody got a few, you know, and when I was younger, one of the issues I always had was uh, I didn't like people, <laughs> anybody, anybody ever experienced that, I mean, I like my favorite people. But it was those other people. You know, it was the very very same people that, that, uh, you know, they acted so good. And then when you got to really know them, you realize they're not good at all. And uh, it was rough. But you know, it's funny how the Holy Spirit changes you. And you see people with different eyes. So this whole series has been not about saying, I've got issues and let's celebrate those issues. It's about saying, I've got issues... And so do you, but the Holy Spirit has the answer for those issues, that he gives us grace to grow through those issues. And, and I think that's beautiful. So today, what I want to do in the, in the time that I've got, and I'll be very good with my time this morning. I, uh, I don't promise, but I'm going to try. Uh, I learned not to promise those things. But what I'd like to do is uh, I'd like us to all stand to our feet as we get ready to read the Word of God together. We're going to open up into an exciting book. The book of Acts. And uh, we're going to be looking in chapter 20. And I'm going to read just a few verses. I want to read verses 7 through 12. This is a fascinating, fascinating story in the Word of God. And we're going to break it down just a little bit. So, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. We're talking about Paul's adventures. Paul the Apostle had some amazing adventures. So, verse 7. Now, On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Sounds like my father. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But come on, y'all got to laugh. That's got to be. That's a little funny. I mean, if he wasn't dead, it would be funny. Anyway, and as Paul continued, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead, but Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, "Do not trouble your, yourselves, for his life is in him." Now, when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not just a little comforted. Let's pray. Father, today as we share your word and we spend this time together growing, I pray, God, that you would speak to us in this moment. That, Lord, we could learn, because there's, there's a reason why this is inspired, why this is a part of the Bible, why you wanted this to be in our lives. So I pray that today we will learn that as the seed is sown into our hearts, that, Father, we will receive it, that, Lord, we will not be pointing fingers at other people and, and say, I'm glad that they heard that. I pray, God, that we will look at it and go, God, I needed that. So, Father, I pray that today we would see Eutychus' story in our own lives. And Father, I pray as always, when we leave this house, we will leave here changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. Now before you seated, oh, 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 slow down, y'all creatures of habit. Here's what I want you to do. I know this is out of place and it's a little different, but if you can, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to get out of your seat just a little bit and greet somebody. I want you to tell them you're glad to see them here today, that God's got something for them. You can just turn around in your seat, you don't have to go far. I love it. Perfect. Hi, darling. Mm, I love you. Hey, baby. Hey, Amen. Okay, that's enough friendliness. Sit back down. <laughs> got to go all the way to the other side. You know, and I, I will say this that, you know, I have been approached by many of our, um, many of the congregation who get nervous around people and they say that is their least favorite part of every service. But, you know, I think we come to the place where sometimes when we come into the house of God, we want to be comfortable. But can I just tell you something? When you're in the house of God, who should be there? Uh, Who? (laughs) Brothers and sisters. Who else? Everybody? Friend? Jesus. That's what I wanted to get to, but all those answers are correct. But it's, you know... Shouldn't it be that when we're in the presence of the Savior, can I just ask you something? Should it be comfortable? I think sometimes we come into the place and we want to be comfortable, and that's such a powerful thing. But what about in those moments in the presence of God that we become convicted of things in our own life, of issues in our own lives? You know, as as I was getting ready for today, I had a completely different sermon uh, ready that I I had prepared for you, and it was uh, family issues. That I've got a crazy family. That was uh, how many could say that, that would have been a pretty good one, and because uh, everybody's got that one uncle, right, or two. But anyway, but as I was really praying through this, I had this awareness. And and this week there's some some interesting things that have happened in the world that I just want to touch on just a little bit, and and I want us to talk about eutychus because it's such a perfect picture of us of the church and i want to propose this that in this teaching in this time together I, i would propose that many of us have fallen asleep at the altar we come into the house of god and we're sleepwalking now let me let me phrase it like this how many of you have ever been a sleepwalker any sleepwalkers in here anybody ever do that now that that's insanity, I'm gonna tell you. I love you, but it's crazy, and I've never done that. I think I sleep too heavy. If I do it, I don't know. But I want to tell you a story about it. Really, time. And this is what I mean. And, and please, you know, I'm I'm a pretty open person, so I, I talk about things sometimes that other pastors wouldn't. And they're probably smarter than me. But anyway, this is how it is. Is I remember growing up. You know, I have an older brother, and Alan would sleepwalk. In our house, my, my parents built this new home in Ripley when we were. He, dad had planted a church, worked so hard to get it grown, and then we finally are able to have a home, because we lived in the church for the majority of the time there. And we finally had a home, and Alan, whose room was in the backside of the house, would wake up every night, not awake, but he would sleepwalk into this one particular corner, and you, you, I don't even have to say it. You know what happens after that. Every night. So finally, my mom started setting buckets <laughs> in the corner of that room. Sleepwalking. I mean, it's crazy. And it, here's what's funny is I hear all these stories of people sleepwalking. I, I heard a story about this guy, and uh, he had just started dating this lady, and, and uh she was telling him a story about her crazy dad, and you know all of us dads want to be that crazy dad, right? We we want that, and so she's telling him but he had narcolepsy, and so he would just fall asleep at the oddest times, and, and it was it was a kind of a crazy thing, and and so one time the neighbor kids came over that next morning and knocked on the door. She opens the door and she's saying, "What what what do you need?" And she goes, uh, "Your dad took our soccer ball, and we want it back." And she goes, My, we don't have your soccer ball. We don't have your soccer ball. And she goes, yes, your dad came over into our yard last night and was playing soccer in our yard, and he took our ball with him. And it gets better. So as he tells the story, he's telling the story, and what happens is, is finally she goes, okay, you know what, I'll go check. So she goes into her dad's room, and there he is in his boxers with cleats on, And the kid's soccer ball in his arm. True story, and you look at that and you go, We do some dumb things when we sleepwalk. Now, here's what I wanna point out in this. Who would have ever thought that we, in the history of our churches, of, of doctrinal thought, of all these different things, that we would be confronted by some of the issues that we're confronted with in the church today? I think it's interesting because here's the thing. I think we've fallen asleep at the altar. I think we're sleepwalking, and when we're sleepwalking, we do silly things. Our subconscious works, and our conscious mind does not. And I think in the life of a believer, I'm going to help you understand what that might mean for you. But when we look at the story of, of Eutychus, I think it's a powerful story, and we realize this kid fell out of a window three stories and died. Why? because he became drowsy, because he fell asleep. You know, and when I look at the church, when I look at a lot of Christians' lives, do you, don't you realize that our lives should look different than those in the world? Come on, are y'all gonna go to sleep on me today? Our lives should look different. And, and I think the problem is, is we try to get so close to being good Christians, to be good followers of Christ, but we want to make sure that we're riding on that line so that we can still be relative to the world. But yet at the same time, we're good Christians. Here's one thing I want you to understand first and foremost. You can't ride the line. My dad would call, you can't ride the fence. you got to choose one side or the other side. And your choice to be relevant is not a choice. It's a choice to say, I don't want to be who God wants me to be. I don't want to be bound to scripture. I don't want to be bound to what he says life should look like. I want it to be what I think it should look like. And if I don't kind of agree with everything, I'll just kind of ride the fence. How many understand we don't get to do that because we're not Jesus and we're not God. Can you turn your neighbor and just remind them you're not Jesus. It's true. And so many of us do this, and we want to we walk this out, but here's my thought is that we've come to the place where we have fallen asleep. We have fallen asleep. Now, here's my first key thought that I want to share with you today is this. Here, in the, I'm going to give you three of these. When I focus on the atmosphere more than on the Savior, I have fallen asleep to God's presence. Now, let me, let me help you understand this. Because how many people in this room have your favorite song that you love at church? Three of you. That's awesome. <laughs> the rest of you don't like music. Now, I mean, see, I'll ask again, now that you're prepped, is this how many of you have a favorite song that you love to sing at church? Okay. Now, how many have your least favorite song that, you sing, that they sing at church because you ain't singing it? Right? It, it's true. We're human. And we're talking about feelings. You know, and here's the challenge that when we talk about worshiping the atmosphere more than the creator of the atmosphere, when we do that more than the Savior, we forget about God's presence. Here's the reality of this situation is it shouldn't matter if someone's up here with a ukulele singing, come thou fount of Jesus, or if they come up and they're singing oceans, and now oceans have been around so long, it's an old song what's a new one? I don't know. Anyway, I'm kind of in the middle there, you know. Anyway, but it shouldn't matter the difference of that. It doesn't matter because if we focus on the song instead of the creator, if we focus on the song instead of Jesus, if we focus on, it's a little stuffy in here today. It's a little cold in here today. You know, it would really be worth it. We could really make this atmosphere just right for the Holy Spirit to move if we just add a few more moving lights. Right? Look, I'm old school in a lot of ways. How many of you are like me? I grew up, and I remember when the church moved from hymnals to transparencies. Yep. That was crazy, and you always had the person up there that would switch them, and they'd never get it straight. Y'all remember that person? Yep, and, and, you know, I remember that. And that was a revolution. It was crazy. And it was like, oh, now I can worship. All the words are right there. I don't have to hold, I don't have to thumb through the book. It's right there. It, it's wonderful. When I grew up, you know, when you came to church, all the lights came on, and you had church. You, now you walk into church and it's amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make light. of. I think it's absolutely amazing. Everything helps. But what I'm trying to say is that it shouldn't really matter to a follower of Christ where we're worshiping or what music is playing or how we're in the atmosphere. We need to focus on this. It doesn't matter because I am not a thermometer. I'm a thermostat, right? is like I'm coming in and it doesn't matter what's going on. That's why we should be able to gather around our living rooms with our friends and worship God and the presence of God fall, right? But the problem is sometimes we're so focused on the atmosphere, it's like, oh, I can worship if, if this is going on, or I can, I can feel God if this is going on, and, and let me just tell you something. And I want to speak to a whole generation of people, and you can figure out which generation I'm talking to. If it's you, don't point fingers though. But let me tell you something. If you can only be moved by the presence of God when your emotions feel like they're being moved, then that is going to be short-lived. Because there will be moments in your life that you can't feel anything. And if you are oh so well that it's got to be just this perfect environment, what happens when everything changes and now Christianity is outlawed and we can't gather together in a house of worship together and we have to gather in a dark basement somewhere? I'm just trying to tell you, I know that seems far-fetched, but the reality is it's real. But we've got to come to the place that we realize, I, I don't want to be that person. I, I need to stop judging the atmosphere and start changing the atmosphere. Right? I need to be a change agent. And, and I love this. This is an interesting part on this because in the Scripture, it talks about him sitting. In one translation, it talks he sat on the edge of the window. See, I feel like that's what we do as believers sometimes is that we're sitting on the edge. First of all, can I just encourage you this? Stay away from the window. Bad things happen. And, you know, it's funny. I remember when, uh, when I was young, you know, and for those of you that knew my father, many of you didn't get to know my father. He was an amazing man. And uh, I still have this in my office, but he had what he called his ox goat. All right? And basically, it's a cattle prod. And I will never forget, now how many of you, let's just be honest, how many of you have ever fallen asleep in a church service? Anybody? Come on. I, I've fallen asleep in many. And dad would always say, if you can fall asleep in one of my services, you've accomplished something. Right? Well, I'll never forget, dad was preaching a sermon with his ox goat. I think that's how you say it, but anyway. Uh, I'll say cattle prod, how's that? and and he's sitting there and he's doing this and he was talking about you know fighting in the pee patch and all that stuff and and all of a sudden he looks over and this dude was sitting on the third row right side at Millersville Church and he's sitting there and his head falls back and he starts snoring <laughs> now i'm going to tell you that as a pastor you know you can be you can a- ignore several things when you're speaking but someone who snores louder than you're preaching is an issue, right? Now, who knows? This guy could have had narcolepsy. He could have had some issues. But my dad pretty well cured him of that. I'm positive. Because dad walked down with his ox goat, with his cattle prod, and stood there. And he, I remember, I'll never forget, he just looked at him. And he took it and went, boom, just like that. You want to talk about somebody waking up fast. Anybody remember that? Any of you guys that have been around, okay, it's a true story. I'm not making this up. Now, I'm not sure if that guy ever came back to church or not. But the reality is we can fall asleep when we experience the same thing over and over. Have you ever done that? It's like it just becomes routine. In other words, let me tell you something. Coming to church can become routine. Now, routine's not bad. But when we get so accustomed to it and we become so comfortable, we begin to forget that the presence of God should change me. The presence of God should convict me. I should want to be different when I walk in here, and I don't want to be close to the edge. I want to be as far away from the edge as I can get. I don't want to be tiptoeing close to the world so so that they'll think that I'm relevant. Instead, I want to be so far in with Jesus that the relevant answer that I have is this. Look, I get it. you got issues, and this is what I'm telling everybody in this house today. I get it. You've got issues, but Jesus died for your sins. He died for your issues, and he will set you free from those issues, and I don't have to be like the world for them to understand, as a matter of fact, if you want to be a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ, then be different than the world, be an answer that they're looking for. They're not looking for somebody like them, they're looking for someone better than where they've been. See, I I think that's a powerful, powerful thing, but sometimes we want to tiptoe too close to the edge. And Talking about current events, this is my next key thought, is this. When I become judgmental, I have fallen asleep to the beauty of God's grace. Can I just tell you right now, guys, Christians, we tend to be the most judgmental people on the face of the planet. Let me give you an example, Kanye West. I listened to my first rap record from start to finish the other day. (laughs) I did, I was like going... I, I, you know, I, I, it's not my gig, you know, it's not my thing, you know, now, anyway, we'll stop that, but, you know, I'm like going, the name of the record is Jesus is King, the thing from the start to the finish, he's talking about, he's given his life to Jesus, now, let let me tell you something, here's the problem, everybody goes, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, we'll see if there's any fruit in his life. Can I just tell you something? You know, and I don't know what the future holds. I don't know Kanye. He's not in my circle of friends yet. But the reality is, is that he comes from a crazy, crazy, crazy world that we don't understand. But did you know that Jesus came to save those that are crazy, crazy, crazy just like you? Right? And have you ever thought that maybe they look at you and go... I believe it when I see it. See, I remember what it's like on a much smaller scale when I gave my heart to Jesus, and still to this day I'll run into people, and they'll say, "Well, what do you do for a living?" Well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> no, really, what do you do for a living? You know why? Because they can't separate who I was with who I am. But there were people that looked at me and, and said the same thing. So yeah, I'll believe it when you see it. When you cut all that hair off, and little did I know, and as I age, it would just fall off, it's okay. (laughs) But the reality was, well, I'll believe it when I see it. When did we become God? That we can sit in judgment. And I know Kanye is one of those controversial things, but I think it's a great picture of we're so judgmental of things, and we've got to be able to stand back and say, you know what? I need to understand that God loved me enough and he saved me by his grace. And what happens if God saves somebody and uses their influence where they are? I, you know, the Bible even tells us that preaching is foolishness. It's like we're clowns for the gospel. I, I mean, Scripture tells us that. You know, so I'm thinking this. You know what? It's not my job to judge who is holy and who's not holy. My job is to make sure that I'm being as holy as I can be, and if their influence reaches one person for Jesus, I'm going to shout about that, right? So we become judgmental. Here's what I love. Remember that scripture, it's a scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, therefore, there is no more condemnation in Christ Jesus, now, here's something interesting, because here's the thing. Here's what I would ask you. When we're, sitting in the, when we're sitting and we're looking at these things, we need to remember when we're dealing with our issues and trying to figure out, am I worthy? And that, that's a big question that people ask. Am I, am I worthy of forgiveness? This is what I want you to see. Therefore, there is no condemnation. That's what I love about this place. Look, you can come in here, and in this room represents people from multiple different backgrounds, this church reaches across borders. We, we, as a matter of fact, one of the purposes of being a non-denominational church is because we don't want to get locked in to people saying it's this kind of church, it's this kind of church. We want to be known. This is a house of prayer. This is a house where the Lord comes and people get healed and set free and find hope and find salvation, <laughs> not condemnation. But the reality is, in our lives, we've got to come to that place that we say, you know, yeah, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you, are you walking in Christ Jesus? Because here's what I know. When we're walking in Christ Jesus, then we won't walk with judgment on our lips. We'll walk with thankfulness on our lips. We'll walk and know that God, I, I don't want to be that person. I watch social media and I have watched this poor guy who is who is a baby Christian by his own words get beat up by people who are Christians. So much so that one of the one of the songs in the songs, raps, whatever they call, I don't know, I'm ignorant of this stuff, is in the lyric that he's saying, he says, The first that will judge me will be the Christians. See, we've got to stop letting the world draw caricatures of who we are as the church and say, we are the church that loves people right where they are. And thank God he doesn't leave us right where we are. He changes us. That means this is hopeful for you. Because it lets you bring your issues into the house of God. And God grabs you by the hand and says, you may not be perfect and you may be messed up. But you are forgiven, and my righteousness covers you, and I'm gonna pick you up and carry you from that place and make you into who you were meant to be. That's powerful. That's powerful. We get so judgmental, and I love what Paul does. All right, so it, this is the funniest story when you really look at it, and thank God the, that he was re, he raised up and he didn't die. Uh, well, he died, but he came back to life. So uh, otherwise, what could have been a horrible story became a funny story. But the reality is, okay, this kid, isn't. and let's be honest, it's, it's, Paul was talking a long time. And you got to remember, Paul at that time wasn't the Paul that wrote the majority of the New Testament. He was just this dude traveling around talking about Jesus, right? He was a little bit famous because he was a persecutor of Christians, and then got transformed. Hmm. So, everybody's gathered in and they're listening to what he says. And he goes on and on and on. <laughs> be honest, my heart kind of goes out to Eutychus. Because I've grown up. I remember we used to do watch night services. Y'all remember what those are? On, the, the, on New Year's Eve, my dad would have watch night service. Oh, my God. Gosh, I hated watch night service. Because what they would do is they would start the service like at nine. That's late. If we start any later, nobody's gonna come. You know, so so they would go from from nine o'clock until midnight. And then they would have breakfast. All right? So I'll never forget this one gentleman. So you how you don't feel that many hours, you know? It's like we say, well, the Holy Spirit will move, it, it'll fill it. Well, you, if you start counting on it to fill all that time, then he won't do it that way. So dad would have testimony time. Anybody remember those? Yeah, you remember? I grew up in a small church. Anybody remember a small church? That said, Was anybody want to sing a song today? And Sister Bessie would say, I do, pastor. And everybody in the church would go, oh, God. You know, when they're up there singing or they're doing something and you're looking down because you can't look up because you're so embarrassed for them. See, that's what I want to Thank God we got delivered from that, right? But anyway, so, so I remember dad had this guy come up and he was going to give his testimony. An hour and a half this guy was talking. We were all asleep. But it's so easy when we come to that place and we look, it's like we've got to come to the place where we say, yeah, how do I do this? How do I be who God's called me to be? How do I wake up to the reality of who I need to be in Christ? Well, first of all, we don't focus on the atmosphere more than we focus on our Savior. We focus on His presence. Then we watch out to make sure that we're not walking in a judgmental spirit. Listen, we all come from different backgrounds. There's a lot of us have been hurt by church in this room today. And Let me just tell you, you've not been hurt by church, you've been hurt by religion. The same thing that Jesus came to this earth, he didn't have conflict with sinners, y'all. Who did he have conflict with? Exactly. So we come to this place and we realize, no, no, God is not against us, he is for us. But we've got to watch it because as people, we'll become judgmental because we get angry. And then we carry it on to our next relationship. This is like so many times I've counseled people, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying here, is I've counseled marriages and done all that stuff. It's part of what we do. And I'll never forget, there was this one couple, and she had been married four times. This was number four, and they were crashing and burning real quick. You know, and I'm telling you, if, if, if you're working on number four, you got some serious issues. I'm just going to go tell you, and I'm sorry if you've been married four times, I'll pray for you. But I remember when she was in here, they're talking, and she comes to the place. And what ended up being was the first husband cheated on her. The second husband cheated on her. The third husband cheated on her. So she took the pain and the mistrust of the first guys and put them on this. Well, if they've done that, then he's going to do that. So he's being punished for what other people did. Here's what I want you to see is don't try to punish God in his house for something that somebody else did. You don't have to walk in that bondage. You need to walk free from that and say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to walk in here. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to be a, a thermostat, and I'm going to help change the atmosphere, and I'm going to see people come to Jesus. Here's the last one. All right, my third key thought. When I focus on the gift over the giver, I fall asleep to the true gift of God's love. You know what I think? I think we've become overblessed. How many overblessed people we have in here tonight, this morning? Anybody overblessed? You better all raise your hands, cause you're in a nice, nice building. It's cool. You're not getting wet. Ain't nobody threatening your life. You're gonna leave here and you're gonna go eat lunch. Yeah. You're blessed. We are blessed, but there's a problem with blessing. As people, we become accustomed to blessing. You know what I noticed? I noticed after not being on the mission field for a long time. Uh, you know, we went to uh, mission. We went on a mission this few years ago with Pastor Sherlock to Guyana. Me and me and Paul Corley, and uh, I just met Paul at the time. They had just started coming to the church, and I w- wanted to go document it and do all this stuff. And so, you know, you don't realize as you get older, you get accustomed. Look, we Americans are spoiled rotten. I'm gonna tell you right now, we are spoiled. I mean, you know, it's like when we complain because well, oh, that mattress is just not soft enough. Look, let me let me put a caveat in here. We had to buy a new mattress. All right, Because when we moved, it mess, the mattress messed up, we had to get a new mattress. We went into the mattress store. That is impossible. Yes. We'll lay on this one, and I lay on this one. This one cools and does this, and, 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 so, and I lay on another one, and I'm like going, I don't know if I feel a difference. Oh, no, no, no. You can feel a difference. <laughs> I said, like, well, do you lay on it. Tell me what you think. Oh, She goes, oh, this one's so soft. I lay on it. So, is, that, is that what that means? Is that what that is? It was so confusing. But I'm thinking about it and thinking, oh, Tony, we just got to get one because I am 50 now, and it's you know I can't just sleep anywhere, <laughs> right? Yep, right? If you want to change that and challenge your life, go to Guyana with Pastor Sherlock. It will change that. So I'll never forget. We get there the first night. And we go, and, and we're in the pastor's home, and uh, I, I can go through a long story to get there, but it was it was amazing, and Pastor Keno, what an what, hospitality was amazing. As a matter of fact, we got there in the middle of the night, so what the family did is they went to sleep early and got up before we got there so that we could sleep in their rooms. Yeah. And I remember we got there, and they had three rooms, and and of course, their homes are not like ours, and we get there, and... You know, it's just slapboards and, and two by fours and, and then the beds in the room. That's, that's basically all that's there. And I remember the room that I got. Sherlock got like the, the king suite. I just want to tell you. Sherlock was living it up while we were suffering. I'm just telling you. I'm just kidding, Cheryl. And uh, so I'll never forget. So the master bedroom, the pastor's room, you know, me, me and Sherlock were like, Paul, you need to take that room. You need to go back there and sleep. And Paul said, "I will not." And he says this in front of the Pastor. He said, "That is the pastor's room." He said, "I am not sleeping in that room." He said, "Me and Pastor Clay will bunk together." <laughs> now look, I, 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 you know, I'm, fit, you know, I was not a lot younger then, and all that stuff. But said, "I, I have got no intention of sleeping with a man. I just got no intention." <laughs> You know, and, and I'll never forget, we get in there, and it's like, okay, we'll, we can make this work and all that stuff, and, and I'll never forget, we walk in there, and Paul looks at me like, what have I done? <laughs> we walk in, and it's basically a bed on like a little, like two-by-fours coming up in a bed and a mosquito net over the top, and it's a single. <laughs> and I'm looking at Paul, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man... I barely know this guy. <laughs> you know, and now we're gonna do this. So, so we, <laughs> we both get on. I gotta stop. I can't tell the whole story for the sake of time. But so we, we get on the bed, and, and, and Paul will testify to this, this part. He thinks I lie on some other parts. But anyway, so we're on the bed and we're sitting there and we're trying our best not to have skin contact. You know, <laughs> it's that sort of thing. And, uh, and you know, there's mosquitoes. You look on the wall, and there's big. You know, it's Guyana, you know, and there's there's creatures. You know, we get freaked out when we see a little bug. Like you know, it's been stink bug season here. You know, like freaking out. We gotta get those out of the house. They ain't getting all that stuff out of their houses, you know. And I'll never forget. We're laying there, and uh, you could hear the sounds. Of everything outside you could see you could you could see the the light of the moon coming through the cracks in the walls all these and it was amazing and you know then we start thinking mosquitoes and I said dude we don't need to get malaria and he looks pastor we are not taking that down we are too close already so we had to sleep without the mosquito net and I was thinking wow that's crazy but you know it's kind of funny our comfort You look at that, and and we laugh at it now, but it was uncomfortable in the moment. And what I want to encourage you in today is that when we get to the place that we get so focused on what God's given us for comfort, and praise God for comfort, amen? Amen. I'm thankful for that. It's blessed. But we can't be so focused on the gift that we forget who gave it to us. That's why I'm telling you, when we come into this room, (laughs) you hear the... The truth is churches are amazing now. I mean, I want you to think about that. There's amazing rooms and amazing buildings, and this, this place that God has given us that we've all built together, we build this house for the Lord, and as we build this, guys, it's amazing. But if we ever get so focused on, wow, this is amazing, come look at our building. Instead of, this is amazing, come see what God has done because his presence is here. Do you see the difference? Because as people, that's what we do. So we've got to be really careful that we make sure that we're focusing on the gift. And and I love this. Eutychus, actually when you look at what his name means, means fortunate or lucky. And as I close this morning, I want you to realize how fortunate you are. Because the reality is that many of us have fallen asleep at the altar. Many of us have become so challenged by the things of this world, by the things we've gone through, the battles that we have fought, we become numb to the very freedoms that God has brought into our lives. So many of us have gone through so pay- some painful moments and some challenging things, and the truth comes to this, is that we can come into a spirit-filled presence, where we see people around us who are weeping, who somehow have their hands raised saying God is good. We'll see people dancing joyfully before the Lord. And we're not moved. You say, well, that's just not who I am and I always say it like this, you know, my mom and dad were the best character studies of worship. My dad was super extravagant. I mean, over-the-top extravagant in everything that he did. It's just who he was. When he would worship, he would raise his hands, he would shout, he would, he would kick. He would, I mean, he was having a good time. My mom was very chilled. She was very calm, and she would sit there. She was prim and proper, and she would sit there, and she would kind of raise her hands. And as a matter of fact, as a kid, I really don't remember her raising her hands a whole lot. But I remember when I was on the platform and as a, as a worship leader, I'd be watching, and when I would see my mom, I would see a tear because she always sat on the front row. That was so, if you don't know why pastor's wife's still in the front row, it's because when we say something wrong, they're t- we, it's this thing. <laughs> and mom's sitting there and I see a tear begin to fall down her face. And I'm going, oh, wow, this is getting real. See, th- the challenge is understanding God is good and His presence affects us all in different ways based on where we've come from and what we've gone through. But the the real thing is this, I don't ever want to focus on what God's given us more than on who He is because that is the great humbler. That my friends is what changes everything. And here's what I would just say to the church today wake up. Wake up. There's a scripture in Ephesians that I I just want to share with you really quickly. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14, it says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. You know why we look at Eutychus and why it's so important that his name means fortunate, it means lucky? I want you to picture Paul. This kid has fallen asleep. It's obvious what's happened. He falls out and dies. Paul didn't run out there and be like, you should have been paying attention and this wouldn't have happened. What does the word say? It says, Paul embraced him and said, he's alive. And today that's what I would say to the church more than anything because I know seasons can be tough. I know seasons are hard. And I know that sometimes we fall asleep to the very things that God has for us. But I am telling you right now, God is saying I want to wrap my arms around you. I I have no judgment. I'm not condemning you. I am loving you. I am here to forgive you. I'm here to restore you. I'm here to heal you. Just wake up. Wake up and be who God's called you to be. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. And as I look at that today, I think one of the greatest issues that we can have corporately is when we just fall asleep to the power of a risen Savior to where we come to church and we go out about our week and we do it the same as we, it's just the same old, same old. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like I go to church and then I, I get done. I got all this stuff to do. I got to knock this off, try, you know, check this box, this box, this box, this box. And then Monday, I got to get up and go to work and I just do the same thing every week. But here's the thing. People are dying not knowing Jesus. And let me backstep just a little bit. You know what I don't like? I'm, I'm not a fan of hypocrites. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, let's be honest. How many hypocrites do we have in the room? <laughs> y'all, y'all so lie, Y'all lying. That's okay. We'll go up an altar call here in a minute. You can get right with God. Why do I not like hypocrites? Because I am one. We all struggle. We all have an expectation and then have a hard time living up to our own expectation. But I was thinking about this is, the very people that wanna condemn someone like Kanye West and challenge whether or not he's really saved or not, haven't even told their neighbors about Jesus. And I watched Kanye on YouTube, on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and walk up and tell him that Jesus changed me. And G- I mean, he went on. I was like going, wow. I, I mean, I was, I'll be honest. I was shocked. I was looking. I was going, he just, in 10 minutes, expressed the grace of Jesus and how Jesus, he lived for the devil. This is what he said. I lived for the devil my whole life, and now I work for God. And I was like going, Wow. so I'm not going to go on, I'm stopping but I pray that we don't ever become so focused on what we think that we miss that it's not about what we think it's about what God says and he has called us to be the church of the living God of the risen Savior. And when a church becomes focused on finances instead of salvation, if it focuses on activity instead of the presence, if it focuses on the gifts instead of the one who gives the gifts, then we just become a country club. And I don't know about you, I'm not interested. I'm not country club material, I don't think. I don't know that I've ever really been in one, but anyway. But You know, I I just think that's gotta be our heart as the people of God. God, have I fallen asleep at the altar? Have I become numb to your presence? Does it have to be perfect in order for me to feel you? This isn't condemning, this is, let's open our eyes. Wake up, in Jesus' name. Could you bow your head and close your eyes all across the room this morning? Father, today, we just wanna say thank you. For God, you are amazing Jesus you <laughs> you are the best thing that's ever happened to us and I pray God that you would begin to convict our hearts today that we would, we would realize before we fall out of, a, out of a window spiritually before we have to be revived Lord I, before we ever get to that point God wake us up that we would realize who we need to be Father, I pray that today we would all see a harvest of good from the word that is spoken today. And I pray, God, you would change us. May we never leave the house of God unconvicted. May we leave here changed. So God, begin to work now. So with heads bowed and eyes, closed, all across the room, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm here right now and the truth is, I have fallen asleep, and I know it. Would you pray for me? Would you be praying for me this week? Would you remember me? Because I'm waking up. In Jesus' name, I'm coming alive. I I'm, I want to be, be like the prophet Ezekiel. He says, there's fire in my bones. It's shut up inside of me. I'm waking up. And if that's you right now, I just want you to slip your hand up right where you are so I'll know how to pray. Just slip them up right where you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I don't want to miss a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm, yes, ma'am. Yeah, I see your hands. Now you can place those hands back down. Now I'm going to ask this question with every head bowed and every eye closed. This is a personal business. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm here and I know I'm not right with God. I know I have sin in my life. I know that I need Jesus today. And I want to give you that opportunity today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you do anything that you're highlighted. But I want you to know that it's important that you make a decision today. And this is how this process works for us is this. Say, Pastor, I need to get right with God. Just right where you. Are. I just want you to slip your hand up. There's nobody looking around. Just slip your hand and say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I don't want to leave here the same as I came in. Amen amen. Could you stand to your feet all across the room today? I'm going to ask our altar workers and pastors that are available to make their way to the front. And we're going to pray. And my prayer is that today you would experience the presence of God in your life in a way that you never have. That you would wake up to the awesomeness of who God is. But before we do that, Here's what I want to say. You raise your hand and you say, Pastor, I need to be right with God. I, I need to do that. Let me just tell you this, that if you're making that decision today or maybe you're here today and you've never been baptized in water, we would love for you to be a part of that in, our, in here. It doesn't You don't get baptized into the church. It's your testimony of what God has done in you. It's your public testimony. And we want to encourage you to follow Jesus in water baptism. We do that here. We would love to walk that out with you. But if you raise your hand, I just wanna challenge you. Tell somebody about the decision that you're making this morning. Don't try to do this alone. You aren't created to do it alone. You need to walk with somebody and we will walk with you as far as you'll allow us to walk. So let's do this as a whole family. Let's just bow our heads and we're gonna pray this prayer out loud together. Simply pray this after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new I receive you Jesus as my Savior right now I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past today I am forgiven and I'm brand new the old is gone the new has come I am saved in Jesus name amen and amen give the Lord some praise